Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name is Tim, if if you're new to the church, and um, I do want to say this about baptism. It, you know, the church has what they call two ordinances, or if you want to say institutions or practices that the church has been kind of given. And one of them is, of course, baptism. The other, communion. We take communion. Uh, Baptism is not just getting wet. And uh, it's really a moment in time when you kind of put a stake in the ground to say, Uh, This is going to be my life following Christ that now Christ has meant this much to me and 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 so I'm going into the water. It's like going into a grave in some ways you're put down in the grave your old life you're there and then the grace and the mercy and the sacrifice of Christ cleanses your life and uh, and so then you. We bring you up out of the water and you slough off all of that old stuff. And you come up and you're like, it's new life. And it's just that moment in time you can go back to time and time again. You know, memory, there is no faith without memory. Because you, you remember things that instill faith in you. And baptism is one of those times when you can go back again and again at certain times in your life. Like, uh, do you ever have doubts? This is a good place. This this is this is a good place to say you have doubts. It's okay, all right. We're not the kind of church that says you can't have doubts, all right. But because we do, we have them at times. So when we do have doubts, one of the gifts that we've been given is that we can go back to that day of baptism and go, oh no 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 no, I remember that moment. I remember that moment when I went down. My old life was down in the grave. I was cleansed and washed. And brought up to newness. I was baptized on an Easter Sunday night. And uh, this was maybe two years after I became a Christian. And because I didn't know. I didn't know you were supposed to be baptized when I became a Christian. I, I didn't know any of that. And then somebody told me. And and so in the church. Karen's church that we were attending. They had a baptism on Easter. And we did it that night. I remember standing in a, in a baptistry. Kind of like this. And standing. Taking the moment in, you know, of who Christ was, what he had done in my life. And that this was a banner moment for me. It was a banner moment of recognizing and making a testimony to people, my friends and family that were there. That this is, this is a real deal here. And so, hey, if, if you, I'll say this two ways. If you've never been baptized, you should. Because you're really missing something. And secondly, if you were baptized at some moment in your life when you didn't understand it. And you didn't get the full, you know, meaning of it. And and you just did it and whatever. Then I think it's great to be baptized again. So that you can stand in those waters and you can look at it and go, this is my life. My new life. I have seen, I told the first service a story that, you know, the first church that I served in. We had a young lady who came to it, and and, uh, I don't know if they use this term anymore, but uh, she was what they call a groupie back in the day, and uh, she had a huge photo album of all the rock stars, you know, that that, uh, she had made their acquaintance with, and and, but Christ, like, really did an amazing work in her life, 
And I mean, she she had a lot of ministry. There was a lot of ministry that went on in her life to really to get her to a place of freedom and all. And, and boy, but when it happened, she she was so exuberant and excited about Jesus. And she said, Tim, I want to be baptized. And I'm praying, would you pray with me that when I go down in the water and I come up, that God will zap me. <laughs> and I said, what? She says, I want to be like, I want to be filled with the water, with the Holy Spirit at that moment. I mean, when I come out and I'm recognizing that I've been cleansed by Jesus, I just want God to go bam. And she says, if you can speak in tongues, I want to do it, right? <laughs> she says, I don't want to do it before. I don't, you know, I want to do it right then. It was so funny. I mean, you know, when you're young and you're so excited in, in Christ and all, we need more of that, don't we? And, uh, and so sure enough, that, that baptism time came and, you know, we're standing there in the baptistry and I look at her. She looks at me. She's like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? So she confesses Christ, you know, with all of her heart. And I put her down into the water. We were both in our, like, she's probably in her early 20s. I'm in my mid-20s. And she comes up, and that water's, and man, her hands go out. I just get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way, you know. And suddenly she is, like, on fire just with praise and worship. And I, through the decades, I lost contact. And then just a few years ago, I get an email. And, um, you know, she's married, got kids. She loves Jesus, involved in her church still. And... Uh, Anyway, I, I can't guarantee that's going to happen when you are baptized. But I can tell you this, it will be meaningful. And I'll tell you this too. Just like communion, I believe God meets us in the water in a very special way. I believe there's a fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with God in that moment. It's very, very special as we remember and we recall his grace and his mercy. So Jay and I are going to be over there after the service. And so if you haven't been baptized, you want to be baptized, please. Let's do it. It's Easter, man. Resurrection time, you know, new life. Rem being rem reminded of Christ, the price that he paid and what he's doing and has done in our lives. Uh, well, and like Jay said, just to reiterate, these empty chairs, those chairs are, have your, names friend, or your friends' names on them. Do you see the one for your friend right now? Can you look over and see it? That's why they're not in there because you got to ask them to come. Did you know like 80% of people will come with you to church if you ask them on Easter? They'll come with you. And so we, can, we put out every chair we can find and uh, bring your friends. Think of just one person. Imagine if everybody brought one person, we'd double our influence for Jesus like that. Just one. And so we're praying, we're preparing, and man, we're going to have a good time next weekend. Well, I want to look at communion today, and we're going to receive communion together at the close of the service. And uh, let me set this up by saying also that, uh, remind us that indeed that in the scripture, when we see these stories and we see these examples that we take and we preach on and we study and we read, that they are not just stories in a vacuum, that they uh, they have been lived out in a moment in history with a culture that's rich. And so some of the uh, practices and the behaviors and all that we see are in context of that culture. And communion is set in a culture, in a Jewish culture of the Passover feast. And Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. And then you have the disciples who are all Jewish. 
And they would gather every year at Passover and take this feast. And so they are remembering, they're recalling when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. And when, if you, have you ever read that story? Do, do you guys read it? It's there. And it's in a book called Exodus, like I'm out of here. And so, uh, and so, you know, Pharaoh, wicked Pharaoh would not let him go. And he said he would, and he said he wouldn't, he said he would, he wouldn't, 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 you know. And finally God's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just nail this down. So plagues started, all kind of stuff happened. You got to read it. And uh, it would happen, and he would relent, and then he would, you know, it's just quite the up and down, the yo-yo. Finally, God says, okay, here's what's going to happen. You don't let him go. Your firstborn, the firstborn of every family in Egypt is going to die if you don't let my people go. And so time came for that evening for them to be, to leave. And God tells Moses, he says, here's what you're going to do. He says, you're going to have a feast. You're going to gather together. You're going to find a perfect spotless lamb. And see, sac animal sacrifices, we go, oh man, that's gross and terrible. And indeed it is. But in that culture, in that day, in that time, it wasn't just the Hebrews that were doing that. There were other, that was a very normal practice during this period of time. So don't think that God just picked this out. No, he's speaking in and through the culture of the day to the people. Because that's what they understood. So that way we have to kind of put those lens on to, to work through this. And so he says, take a pure spotless lamb. He says, don't break a bone in its body. Remember, Jesus went to the cross. There was not a bone broken in his body. Whereas most of the people who were crucified had their bones broke, their legs broken, so they would die quicker. Jesus, no bone broken. Take the lamb, you roast it, all the directions very specific in there. Uh, take some bread, but don't put any yeast in it. Make it unleavened because you're going to have to get out of town quick. And so whenever you take this feast every year, it will remind you and your family it will remind you of how you had to get out quickly in haste and thus the no yeast in the bread. And I want you to take some bitter herbs and I want you to taste them and have that as a part of the meal. Because I don't want you to forget how bitter it was being under the boot of Pharaoh. I don't want you to forget how bitter it was before you knew Jesus. When you had no recourse for your sins and your failures or any of that. I want you to eat the bitter herbs so you can remember the way it was. And that your children and all the generations to come will be able to look back and say, this is where we were, this is where we came from, but this is the grace of God. And then he said, take the blood from the lamb, that perfect lamb. Take the blood, take some hyssop, which was a plant, take it and put it all over the doors, the door frame. Because when the death angel comes through, when he passes your house, if he sees the blood of that perfect lamb over the doorframe, you will be safe. And here's where the word, he will pass over you. Pesach. He will pass over you. And so they did everything. They put the lamb. Sure enough, the angel comes through. There's wailing. It's a horrible time. And Pharaoh relents and lets them go. But do you see the... Similarities here, Jesus, perfect lamb, his blood, the sacrifice of communion. So I want to put the setting there for those of us who maybe have not been reminded of where the story comes from. That it's rich in history. It's rich in meaning. And it was 
carried from year to year down through the ages, you know, and ages and passed on and on and on until we get to this night with Jesus. And here Jesus gathers with his best friends at a Passover feast that all of them had done for 30, 35, 40 years, ever how old they were at the time. They had done it every year. They knew it well. They knew the words that would be spoken. They knew the food that they would eat. They knew it all. But this Passover, this last supper, because it was the last supper that Jesus would take before going to the cross, would be a little different. So we're going to take a look at it. You've got a handout and a fill-in on the back side. Let's read this story, or at least just a portion of it in Luke twenty-two fourteen through 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. That was normal for them to recline. Now, uh, if you have a formal meal now, everybody is so formal. We're sitting at the table. You know, and you have proper conversation. You know, or if you're down south, you're like, you know, you're just kind of hanging out. Well, these guys, you know, were reclining. They would actually lean kind of maybe even up against each other. And they would kind of lean on the floor and they would eat. And so they're reclining him and his friends around the table. Uh, and he said to them, Jesus says to them, I have eagerly desired, eagerly desired. That's the Hebrew idiom. It's, it's like, it's a way of saying there's something very emotional inside of me. Jesus is saying, I really have this hunger that I want to be with you. This is not something that, I have, that I've got to do it. I've got to do it. No, I want to be with you. I want to be here right now with you. Eagerly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body. There is no is in Aramaic, so probably he would have said, this, my body, that way. This, my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Lord, bless the reading of your word today. I pray for your help. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. Help me in my weakness, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. You are the teacher. You have come to teach us all things, to come alongside us, to be with us, to comfort us. So we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would move and rule and reign here in this service. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you gave us this memory, that you gave us this, this institution, Lord, this meal, this Jesus meal, that we still celebrate, Lord, when we look back. To what you did for us. And Father God thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace and mercy. In sending your son to die for us. So that we could be put in right standing with you. So that we could be clean. So we could know our creator. Walk with you. Thank you Father. Thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. I said earlier there is no faith without memory. I got that from Hudnick Williams who was with us. You know, just a week ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, in, in a book that he referred to me that I picked up on uh, the myth of certainty. I love the title. And uh, the guy has about three pages on memory. And he says it's, it's our memories that build our faith. 
It's the stories, the things that we've seen. And so here Jesus says, in remembrance of me. Like this is a faith building moment when we remember what Christ did. And we remember this, this uh, meal. Over in, let, let me give you an example. Over in Hebrews 11. There is, a, I mean, different people call it different things, but it's kind of like a hall of heroes or a fellowship, you know, of the faithful. There is just a list of all the biblical or many of the biblical heroes. And by faith, they did this. By faith, they did this. Some of them were sawed in half. Some of them were burned alive. Some of them were doing this. You know, the sacrifice and all that they went through, but they held their gaze straight ahead. They looked for something they never got. They never really experienced. But they believed it was coming. So that was faith. And it kept them walking toward it constantly. And so when I read things like, by faith, Abel brought God. By faith, Isaac blessed. You know, by faith, Jacob. You can make this very personal in your memories too. Because a lot of times I, I will just remember people who have been instrumental in my life. In my faith walk. I, I'll go, I remember Art Chadwick. I remember this guy who was 20 years older than me, seeing me in church and hated the way I looked. But yet God spoke to him and said, go over to him and disciple him. And I remember the Sunday he walked across the church to me and in tears and said, first of all, I want to repent to you for judging you. This is in the mid-70s. I want to repent for judging you. And I would love for us to get together and then let me pray with you. And that started a whole process where he took this very introverted, insecure person. And, and he, he pulled me out. He shoved me out in front of people. He made me play music in front of people in churches. You know, he wouldn't let me. We're going to a meeting. I said, where? He says, you don't need to know. Just get ready to give your testimony. You know, and then for like for years, you know, he just shoved me out there. So I go, I remember you, Art. By faith, you kept your eyes. And just last year, by faith, he went to see Jesus. By faith, he kept the faith all the way through. Right on to the very end. Till with a smile on his face, he went and he sees his Lord. By faith, I remember Bishop Jesse Winley. A man bigger than life. Looking at a 25-year-old white boy. And him from Harlem, New York. Bishop, 300 pounds of power. I mean, the Holy Spirit was on that guy. He would scare you out of this room. I mean, you know, he'd walk in. One eye would go that way, and the other eye would be at you. His hand was like as big as a pumpkin, you know. And when he laid hands on you, it was hand on you, you know, because it was just one. But I can remember him going, oh, Lord, this young preacher boy, you know, fill him with the Holy Spirit. Keep him, Lord. Keep him. I remember you, Jesse. I remember you. I remember what you did. I recall what you said to me. I recall, I remember, by faith, you lived your life there in Harlem, New York, your whole life. I remember your faithfulness, Jesse. I remember. That brings the past into the present and to us. And that's, I think, what Jesus is telling his disciples is in telling us as well. You know, what's with all the eating in the Bible, by the way? You know, there's, there's always food, especially in the book of, in the Gospel of Luke. Um, I have a friend, a, a fellow vineyard pastor named Luke. Garrity, Luke is a theologian in the vineyard as well. And he saw one of my uh, tweets this week about this, about all the eating in the Bible. And he sent me a message. He said, yeah, one of the theologians I read said this. Jesus is on his way back from a meal, at a meal, or headed to a meal in Luke. <laughs> 
<laughs> every time you see him. You know, I mean, there's something very special about gathering around food together. God knows that. Jesus knows that. Over in Exodus, when Moses and Aaron and the leaders, Nadab and Abihu and the elders from Israel went up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. They got up there and in verse 11 it says, they saw God. Guess what the next words are? And they ate and drank. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm seeing God. Let's have a meal. You know, let's sit down. Let's do it. There's, very, there's something very special about breaking bread and being with one another. God's designed us that way. And Jesus meets that night with his best friends. And uh, like I said, in this, exod in this, we see the exodus. We see Egypt and we see Israel. We see Israel being delivered. But there's also an exodus for us in this. In Christ. We have our own exodus. And that meal that Jesus was leading at that time. That Passover meal was telling his, his friends and telling us. There's a new exodus coming tonight. There is a lamb that's going to be slain tonight. And it, he will cleanse all the sins and he will remove the bitterness of your soul he will cleanse you from all of your past sins he will tell Pharaoh Satan he will tell Pharaoh get your boot off of my people and release them to be who they are meant to be a new exodus on the night when we get ready in just a moment to take it do you see your exodus in the last supper do you see your journey out of bitterness and out of, of slavery into freedom because that is what Jesus was saying that night in your fill in your first uh, fill in here is um, communion satisfies the hunger of a past promise of a past promise when I see the blood back in the exodus I will pass over you remember Jesus says this is a fulfillment of a past promise I'm going to pass over you because of the blood that's about to be shed my blood You know, when the, the, uh, when the children of Israel got to the promised land, do you remember the story how they didn't go in when they first got there? They sent the spies in, 12 of them, right? And they come back. How many were pretty excited about what they saw? Two, that's right. Joshua and Caleb, right? Joshua, Jesus. Similarity, name there. And same name. And uh, Joshua and Caleb saw it, came back with these grapes, right? Cluster of grapes. And they're like, it's a good land. <laughs> you know, milk and honey. Look at these grapes, people. Imagine the wine here. You know, it can be made. The other 10 were like, oh, man, they're, you know, we're like grasshoppers. There. There's giants there. It's not worth it to go into it. We can't go in. We'll all die. Two saw it. One named Joshua saw it. When we sit and we take the juice... This is our grape. It was called Eskal. This brook that you walked through. That they walked over to get into the promised land. This is, our, this is like Jesus walking in with those grapes. And looking at us and going. Want to taste? This is a good land. This is a good land. It is a fulfillment of a promise. A past promise. When we take communion. Secondly it's a present desire. There is something within all of us who want. We want to taste of what God's presence is like. We want to taste that there is something 
good for us, that God has something good for us, that God does care about us, that he knows us. And when Jesus said, I eagerly desire to take this meal with you, I mean, it's a way of saying, like, I want this. If I can be so presumptuous, I want you for me. You know, it's not just me for you. It's I want you for me. I want you for me. I eagerly desire to take this meal. And I do believe that in the meal, that not in the bread and not in the juice, don't believe in the, you know, all of that. But I do believe that the presence of God can be in that moment with us in a very special way. As we remember, there is a present desire that's satisfied. N.T. Wright, a wonderful theologian, says, When we celebrate the Jesus meal, we discover that Jesus' death, the unique past event, somehow catches up with us again. Right there in communion. It comes from the past and it floods right into that moment as we celebrate communion. So it is a past promise, it's a present desire, and it's also a future hope. That's your third, I know that's redundant because hope is always in the future, right? But it, it works for me. Uh, future hope. And so in Luke twenty two sixteen, Jesus says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. There is something else coming. Not only was it the past, not only is it the present but when we receive communion, there is something else coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus says, it's so important. It's so profound that when it comes in fullness, you know, we're going to sit down at the table again. And we're going to have this meal. But until that happens, I'm going to hold off having it. Until we all gather together. We're all together. And we sit down and celebrate it. There's a future hope. So when I sit down to communion, I pick up the cup. I know there's a present, uh, a present power in that moment. But I also know that it's speaking to me of the future. And that's what Hebrews 11 was talking about. Those people who never got to see who Jesus was. But they by faith look forward. And they live their lives in that faith. And so when we take communion we remember. We remember back to Jesus. His faithfulness. And uh, so there's a future hope in it. Um, how do we prepare? I mean, how do we prepare for communion this morning? In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul has to kind of deal with this church in Corinth. This was an awesome church. Matter of fact, some of you guys would love to have been a part of this church. Very charismatic. I mean, they had the gifts of the Spirit rocking in that place. But they had some, they had some things that really needed to be straightened out, like... Number one, when they took communion, when they took the Lord's Supper, like the people who had a lot would gather early and they would have all this great food and wine. And so cliques formed in the church. And so these folks would gather together and they would eat all the good food. They would even drink the wine to the point that they were pretty inebriated by the time everybody else showed. You know, it was a party for them. With well, the poor people, when they showed up, they came in and they didn't have anything to bring to, to the party. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any wine, much of anything to bring. And so when they got there, all the food has been eaten. All the wine has been, you know, been taken. 
And so now these people are kind of sitting outside in the courtyard. They're not a part of the body. And Paul's reprimanded them, reprimanding them for this. He's like, you need, to, you need to judge the body correctly. You need to look at the church and know that we're all one in Christ. There's not, you know, you guys over here that got so much you think you're uppity, uppity, but and you guys down here that don't have anything, you guys are together in this. This is one body. And so, and you can't be getting drunk at communion. You know, just not good. I mean, you know, people, seriously. You know, this reminds me of another story right now. But uh, uh, it was, I'll save it for another sermon. And also, I mean, and also, I mean, you got a dude in the church sleeping with his mother-in-law. And everybody in the church is talking about it like, ha, 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 ha. So Paul says, reflect, look back, look back on your life and take stock. Everyone should examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. How do you look at your fellow brothers and sisters in this church? Do you love them? Do you care for them? Do you prefer them before you prefer yourself? Do you, if not, get it straight before you take communion. Talk to God about it. Reflect on that. Is there any sin? Is there any shortcoming? Now, we're, not, we're not going to be perfect, but there's, is there something that God has like pointed out and said, man, you need to bring this to me because we're getting ready to celebrate the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice for your sins, and the body that went to the cross. And it will cover that, my friend. So don't you cover it up. Why don't you bring it so he can cover it? Bring it to me. Bring it to me in prayer. Reflect. Think for a minute. I think also reflect back on the goodness of God. On the fact that he wants you to be at this meal. That he's here with you. And then secondly, remember. Remember. Don't just recall what Christ did. Remember what he did. Remember. Look at the cross. Think of the meal that he had with his friends. Remember the words that he spoke from the cross. Remember his resurrection. Remember who he is. And how he loves you. And how he cares for you. And how his blood and his body. And the, the pain and all that he went through. Is enough. To cover and to care for you. Remember. Remember in that moment. When you take the bread. And you take the wine. And lastly rejoice. 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 You know, I don't think communion should be a solemn thing. At all. It's a meal. It's a happy meal. It's a happy meal. I mean it's the Jesus meal. It's our birthday meal. You know this is the meal. Where we celebrate our spiritual birthday. This is it. This is a toast to Jesus. Thank you. For the sacrifice. This is a reminder. That he is with us. And he's with us always. Rejoice. Uh, Hebrew tradition is that they sing, I think it's like Psalm uh, 113 through 118. They would sing various portions of the halal at the end of Passover, near the end of it. So there was rejoicing, there was singing at the end of Passover. If you look at two of the accounts of the Last Supper in the Gospels, two of them says, and they sang a hymn and went out at the end of it. Singing was a big part of the celebration of Passover. So do you guys have your little packets? Your, you know, you're not going to have to worry about anybody getting drunk on these. That's for sure. Um, 
you have your microbrew here. Uh, yeah. If you don't have one, we have people that are, will give you one. Would you just wave your hand and say, I need one down here, Ariel? Yeah. It's got like two lips. The first one right there is opens up to the unleavened bread and there it is you could kind of just pull it back and then there's another one here where you can open it for the juice can we stand no it's communion so could we turn in our seats and maybe at least we're in a not a circle with someone so you can make sure we don't take communion alone it's a union with with the body of Christ as you look at one another when you see your brothers and sisters your friends here yeah Well, and you know, there's a big welcome in communion. So if you see someone standing alone, invite them over there to, to you. And say, friend, would you come and celebrate the Jesus meal with me? Would you come? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Let's take a moment to reflect. And if the Lord would ask us to search our hearts and to do any work with him. He is here to take whatever it is that's on your heart, that burden, that relationship. Uh, if you feel like you've come up short, imagine that, um, coming up short, then you can tell him about it. Just right here in your heart, just say, Lord, before I celebrate this, I'm going to celebrate by knowing this covers, this covers, your sacrifice covers whatever is in my life. And so I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing this relationship to you, Lord. So let's just take a moment here. And Lord, we remember. We remember. We think on that night when you gathered with your friends. And you broke the bread. You poured the cup and gave it to them to share. We remember that night knowing that in just a bit of time you would be arrested. And you would be taken and Lord, you would pay the price for our sins, the world's sins, though you have never done anything wrong. We remember, Lord, that you eagerly desire for us to be in this moment, in this space, at this time, to celebrate. And we remember the resurrection, Lord. 
we remember. Thank you. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he looked at his friends, and he said, This is my body for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new agreement with my creation. You had the old, but that's passed away. There is a new contract in town and it will be sealed and signed with my own blood. So when you take the cup, remember, he's a man of his word. He signed this contract with his own blood. And he will finish what he started in you. Drink in remembrance of him. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.